do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you know what Zen Parenting Radio is, sweetie? I do, because I'm, I'm on it. You're on it. Uh, it's a podcast between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We discuss transformational wisdom, everyday challenges, and pop culture to encourage what, sweetie? Laughter, self-awareness, and... The big E. Empathy. We have uh, three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 12, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember, sweetie, that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. And this is episode number 232. Wow. So we're getting up there. We're getting to the close to the mid-twos. Are we going to have a party at 250? Um, a party? That party? It's a cricket party. Um, I don't get that. <laughs> so loud. You're loud. In my ears. Um, no, we're not going to have any parties. Oh, okay. No parties. No having fun. No, not at all. A little too much fun this weekend, if you ask me. Yeah. But it was a fun. It was a fun fun. Yeah. Um, and it was a good, I had a good Mother's Day um, because- What'd I, you get? What, what, what material gifts were given to you? I got nothing. What I got was uh, the night before, our friends stayed the night, so we had wine and ate good food and laughed a lot. And then the next morning, my friend Manisha and I went to eat, and we told you and Chris that we were not going to look at our watches. Yeah. And then we were just going to come home when we wanted to, because yeah. normally we're on the clock. Yeah. No clocks for you yesterday, sweetie. And then I came home and just was not in charge. You were in charge completely. And I watched movies and laid around, took a long shower. It was very, it was a very non-mom Mother's Day. Yes. And I didn't even have to go shopping. No. What do you mean? Oh, for stuff? Yeah. yeah. No. I just, no, you did go shopping. You went and got me nachos and a oh, piece yeah. of cake. I got you. <laughs> got you the important stuff. All right. So we're going to talk about a few different things today. The first thing was we're going to talk about an article that originally came out in Rolling Stone, but we found it on ESPN.com. Mm -hmm. And the name of it is Split Image. No, is yeah, it? by Katie Fagan. At least that's the one that I'm looking at at ESPN.com. Okay. In, yeah, maybe it is called that because it, yeah. All right. um, so we'll post this article on our page just so you kind of get an idea of what it is that we're talking about. But um, so that's the first thing. And then we'll talk a little bit. You want to talk about a movie you saw? Yeah, I want to talk about a movie that I watched yesterday on my Mother's Day. But let's do that at the end because okay. I think the topic that we're covering today, which is... Um, kind of the hidden side of our children's lives. And unfortunately, uh, this article discusses suicide. Yeah, so it's a pretty heavy topic. If you're not into being heavy today, this may not be the best well, podcast for you. Well, and Todd keeps saying that to me, like this is going to be really heavy. But what I'm hoping to do is instead of, you know, the story in itself is sad, but the father or the family who has been getting this message out about their daughter, their intention is to help us. Their intention is to shine a light on something that maybe we're not looking at. And so I find it to be more empowering than heavy or maybe just at least discussion worthy. Well, and I'm more like, you know, um, if you happen to listen to the show with your young kids, Got it. it may not be the best one. Good point. That's all. Um, speaking of young kids, we have two fans out in Oregon, sweetie. Oh, yes. Um, I have a good friend named Dusty Bottoms. Actually, that's <laughs> his not his name's just Dusty. Um, <laughs> that's just Dusty. No last name. <laughs> well, Dusty Bottoms is from Three Amigos. And he's married to a wonderful woman named Marie, but they have two kids, and Marie listens to the podcast, and... Um, uh, the kids listen in the car with her. The kids her. listen in the car with her, and then I saw Dusty um, not too long ago for work. And they said, uh, are you going to go see that famous guy or something like that? <laughs> so um, Maya and Cooper, this is me saying your dad is awesome and so is your mom. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, you guys. Um, okay. So, oh, and then we have a Mother's Day retreat, or not a Mother's Day, we no. have the Empowerment Project. Yeah, Mother's Day retreat is over, and it was fantastic. So for those of you who I was going to say fantabulous, It was fantabulous. I loved this group, and I loved just the whole energy of it. So um, just FYI, if you miss this retreat, our next one is it around the holidays. Yeah. So I guess you have a little time to wait. We only yeah. do two a year. But 
So, but we what we do have coming up next is um, a week from from yesterday because you're listening to this on Tuesday, Monday, May 18th is our showing, our screening of the Empowerment Project documentary. It's about ordinary women doing extraordinary things. Um, We highly recommend that if you have a daughter to bring her to this movie if she's nine or above. And for those of you that have an eight-year-old or a seven-year-old, if you you think she can sit through a movie, Mm. um, that's about more – that's about more adult content. What I mean is not that it has anything violent or no swearing or anything, but that it's not a cartoon. Yeah. It's not um, like uh, it's real life. Yeah, you know, um, feel free to bring them, and uh, we will be having a discussion following the movie. Um, short discussion. So the movie starts at seven. It's only an hour long. You should be out of there by eight thirty. Hopefully, probably, unless you decide to stay longer. Um, and you can get your tickets at uh, zenparentingradio.com. Click events. Todd and I just moved from one theater to a bigger theater, um, so I raised the amount of tickets we have on the website, but not by much, yeah. um, because we don't use the first three rows right. in the theater. We may not. We may not. We so, may. Um, so go get your tickets now because we're obviously selling. And them. the showing is brought to you by Zen Parenting Radio, but also uh, Comprehensive Clinical Services. Um, Discover CCS.org, and we'll be introducing them at the showing itself. Too, Wonderful. So. All right, so uh, I'm going to let you start um, regarding this article. Um, actually, first, our first partner, because okay. we have three. Please. Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, that's uh, 630-941-8733. That's chirotree.com. They are our partners, and we're big supporters of them. Please help us by supporting our partner, Tree of Life. So I'll start with this article. I can't remember what month um, I read about this in Rolling Stone, um, but it was a while back, a few months ago maybe. And it was about this girl named Madison who was a runner at Penn. It was her freshman year. And in high school, she was a big runner and that kind of thing. Well, um, in at the end of her freshman year, she chose to uh, commit suicide. And while that's the heavy part of this discussion that Todd was talking about, um, but the article in Rolling Stone and now this article that Todd and I are pulling from, from ESPN.com, I think gives a lot of insight and a lot of things to ponder um, in regards to our children mm. and what they may perceive the world to be. Todd and I both want to make the point that the parents in this article are amazing. Yeah. And this is in no way – we're not picking this apart saying this should have been done, this should have been done, this should have been done. That's not it at all. Um, it's more about what can each of us learn from this experience because the parents are the ones choosing to share this story because they would like others to find some kind of wisdom yeah. in this um, experience. Well, that- you, you turn in something you turn something from uh, a really painful experience that it can't be anything other than that. But how can you use it? And they're using it to bring awareness to mental illness and suicide prevention and things like that. Right. And, and you know, sometimes, Todd, I really wanted to talk about that, the mental illness piece, because sometimes I think when we have experiences in the world, like um, we tend to say, well, that was mental illness and therefore I that's not going to be me nor my family. And while by definition the decision to commit suicide is a men- – you know, there's mental illness involved, right. meaning that you've come to such a hopeless place. Yeah. But it doesn't always start out that way. It's not what – you know – do you know what I mean about when we talk about mental illness, people distance themselves and say, well, that's not me. Yeah. When if we were all honest with ourselves, I've gone through depression. Mm-hmm. I've had depressive, mm-hmm. you know, bouts. Yeah, there's a huge spectrum. Yeah. I've and had, nobody is off of it. Nobody. That's the thing is that I think we have to kind of put our arms around the fact that when you use the word mental illness that we – and it's not to be afraid. It's just I don't want us to – you know, like all the – the experiences with the school shootings mm-hmm. and, you know, with tragic events will say, well, they were mentally ill, so let's not worry about that. Right. But it didn't always start out that way. Yeah. There are things that happen in, you know, we all we know about nature and nurture that some people maybe come into the world with a set of genetics that make them more predisposed yeah. to certain mental illness. But for some people, they may have some of the genes, but there's also environmental factors that come into play that could affect anybody. And after reading this story, it seems like, um, you know, I don't know anything other than what I just read in these 12 pages. Yes. But it sure seemed like the mom and the dad were loving parents. And she loved them. And she loved them. And so I think in Madison's case, it seemed like it was more uh, nature, like her brain chemistry 
was predisposed to some serious depression, not as a result of being abused or neglected or anything like that. This story isn't like that at all. And I think that, but what's important to understand is the way that she was thinking. Yeah. Because when we, she left a lot of indicators and there was a lot of piecing together from the family and from the friends about what happened here. And one of the main things that I wanted to bring out of this article, and Todd, I don't know if you made note of this, is how often Instagram was Mm -hmm. commented on. And this is something that um, I talk to girls, young girls about, and I also talk to people my age about. And that's that we have this assumption that because of Instagram and Facebook and all the social networking that everyone else is having a life that we're not having. Mm -hmm. We're all trying to strive and reach something that isn't even real or true. What I mean by that is it, it doesn't mean that you... When you post a picture on Facebook or Instagram that you're always lying, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe in that moment you did feel a sense of joy. But I think sometimes like they use the – in this article, they use the analogy or the metaphor of the filtering of a picture. Yes. I'm reading this directly. Yes, people filter their photos to make them prettier. People are are also often encouraged to put filters on their sadness to brighten their reality so as to not drag down those around them. So – Really, like, you know, think about your own Facebook entries. How often do you say, I'm having a really crappy day? Right. It doesn't happen. And now the thing is, is is someone would say, well, yeah, but we don't, what we do is maybe we don't put the, you know, you're always having a, or I'm having a crappy day because sometimes people do use Facebook that Mm -hmm. way. And then everyone comes to their rescue and says, you're great, you're great. And sometimes that can be out of balance too. It's this place in the middle where we at least have an understanding that when people are are posting something, it's a snapshot in time Mm -hmm. and it's not a reality that you're missing. Because a lot of times it even, it happens to me. Like I remember last year around spring break, we decided this year we went away, but last year we didn't go anywhere for spring break. Yeah. And I remember seeing everybody on vacation yeah. and being like, ugh, mm-hmm. like what, why didn't I go? And what, uh, and I didn't necessarily want to be on vacation with them, but it, it's, it skewed my reality right. and it made me, you know, and that's just a small piece. Mm-hmm. Imagine kids mm-hmm. every day who are viewing their peers and their peers are filtering their pictures, making themselves look beautiful, yep. saying that they're having the best time they've ever had in their life, you know, basically creating a reality that's not really a reality. And one thing that Madison says throughout this uh, article, or she obviously didn't, but the people who spoke for her, is that she would say, because she was a freshman and in college, she would say, everybody else is having the college experience I wanted to have. Right. Yet, I don't know about you, Todd, I think you had a different experience than I did. But I loved high school and I didn't want to leave high school. And I was leaving a lot of people I loved behind, obviously, like we all do. And my freshman year of college was really hard. Mm-hmm. Did you have that experience? No. Okay. So you were more like my roommate, Andrea, because she was really ready to go to college yeah. and was so excited and um, ready to get away, you know, ready to be done with high school and move forward. I was not. Right. So my freshman year, I had a lot of depression and I was very homesick and. I probably didn't appear that way to my friends. Right. Okay. Um, and why I say that is because I think, you know, there's, like you said, you didn't really feel that way, but I think there are a lot of people who do. Well, and I think, um, you know, I, even looking at my three daughters, like there's, or uh, I shouldn't talk about them, but myself, I'm your, um, swings. I always talk about how I'm kind of, I don't feel as strongly, Either way, like you have days where you're just kind of losing it Mm -hmm. and then you have really awesome days and I'm more, you know, status quo or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? And I think about that in that it is really um, the people who feel their feelings and it's a healthy thing. I'm complimenting you for Mm -hmm. having the ability to do this. There's also another layer to that. I don't know if I'm explaining this well, but the more you feel your feelings both good and good or bad makes me nervous as a father like which of my three kids has the tendency to either get more down or get more up and it's um because according to this article there were maybe a few signs but most of the signs were pretty good and it really most of the signs were pretty good explain that most of the uh there weren't these obvious 
um, you know, there there weren't these obvious signs that this girl was going to take her own life. There wasn't obvious signs, meaning I don't think they predicted it, but she did talk about, she was in therapy and she did talk about right. feeling that suicide was an option. Right. So it's not as if this came completely out of the blue. Right. The parents were on it though. Yeah. I mean, they had yeah. her in therapy, therapy, you know, they were visiting her at school. They were not disconnected. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I just, after reading this article, honestly, my reaction was like, oh my gosh, I, this is very, very scary because, um, you know, from an outsider's perspective, there were some signs, but they were subtle. And what college freshman doesn't have these signs? Well, here's the thing that I want to focus on the most. Madison, like, and I don't know if we already shared this part, but she in high school was a track star. Mm. She was a runner. She's also a very good looking girl. Mm -hmm. She's an attractive girl. And carrying a 3.5 average. Very smart girl. At school. So externally, everybody assumed that she was doing well because they would say, well, why wouldn't she be doing well? She's a good runner and she's good looking. Mm-hmm. Okay. There, that was commented on a lot in the article. Did yeah. you notice that? How couldn't she be doing well? And not only that, but they would look at her Instagram page and she'd have pictures with her friends and they're like, everything's perfect. Yeah. Some of the indicators that she gave from the notes she left and what she journaled about was that her exterior didn't match her interior. And I think a lot of that was Mm -hmm. some pressure she put on herself to be constantly at achieving at this high level. And that when she went to college, in high school, it was pressure-filled. And she and her friends that comment in the article also say they felt that pressure. But when she went to college, it's like starting over. And you're no longer – the pressure is like, you know, it doubles or it increases. And she could not sustain – that pressure that she felt to maintain this sense of um, goodness that she perceived well, came from her it, running and her, you know. It, it says in the article, Madison had always struggled to handle even garden variety failure. She chased perfection. She chased perfection. What we can learn from this is what um, Todd and I try and talk about on the show all the time is number one, that our children should fail and should fail a lot and that we should support them through their failures so they know that failure is a very normal part of life. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but that we grow from our failures, that we become stronger, like our roots. Like if you imagine us as a tree, when we fail and have challenges and come out of it, our roots get deeper and stronger. Our foundation builds. And not only that, but that... We, the sometimes, and again, this is not Madison's parents, at least sure. it didn't sound like it, but sometimes the pressure we put on our children are about external significance. Right. Instead of focusing on their inner world and how do you feel about this and how do you feel about yourself and how do you feel about your relationships and do you feel connected? Do you feel like you have enough time to think and downtime and play? We focus on their external achievements, assuming that that will make them happy. Well, and, you know, any parent can be blamed for, you know, wanting their children to succeed. And you and I talk about so often about what's the definition of success. And for us, quite simply, it is emotional intelligence. Right. And the school is is a part of who they are, but it's not even close to being the full the whole child. The most important right. part of who mm-hmm. they are. And, you know, for a lot of parents out there, sports is a vehicle to college, is a vehicle to scholarships. And in the big picture, in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter that much. And if we sit there and focus on our kids accomplishing things or getting in first place or getting the A or, or being the best at something or being or in the best social circle or whatever it is. I mean, there's all these things that we can do. And really what you and I do, sweetie, is we just want to make sure that our kids are feeling their feelings. We want to make sure that they know that there's a place for joy and sadness. And that their their sense of worth is not based on external measures. Right. The story that I was going to tell you um, about uh, uh, one of our daughters, she likes to do archery and um, she put, she was doing archery and she only has one um, she got a arrow a arrow left. <laughs> like we don't know where all the arrows went, but she had one arrow and she went over to the park the other day and she shot it up into the tree. And again, this is a kid version of archery. It's not sharp, yeah, right. um, but she shot it up into the tree and it got stuck at the top of the tree. And she came home and said, mom, it's stuck at the top of the tree. I was like, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe a squirrel will help you out. Mm. And then you got the idea to throw a football at it and right. we got it down. So when she brought the stuff back inside, you made a comment to her and said, 
please don't shoot that, pull that back in the house. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, you know, learn from that experience outside, but also learn that that it doesn't belong in the house. Right. Well, yesterday when I was laying in bed watching that movie, she came in my room and sat down and she said, mom. And I was like, what? Thinking she's going to ask me for help. Yeah. She goes, I did something wrong. And I go, what? You know what? Tell me. And she said, well, I know you guys don't want me to use my bow. She goes, well, I was in bed and I just pulled it back and it hit the wall. Oh. And I said, and that's why I said, I go, ooh. And and she goes, I know. She goes, I was, she goes, first I taped a picture over it. Oh my gosh. And then I thought, no, I can't do that because I'll always know it there. It's there and I have to tell them. Oh, wow. So I said, okay, show me. So I got up and we went in there and it's actually, I mean, I was trying not to laugh because it's just this little, it's barely in- there. It's an indentation in the wall and it's right next to her bed. And she goes, <laughs> see, and I kind of started to laugh. I go, well, I'll tell you something. I go, you kind of, you just learned what happens when you do that. And I go, you have to live with that hole. This Mm -hmm. is your room. And she was so, I mean, I was, I wasn't like, oh, it's okay. Keep doing that. But there was a sense of, you know, this is, I'm not going to fix this. This hole will remain. Now you've learned. And the relief on her face that a mistake was made. She was able to get it off her chest and that it didn't result in being shamed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and again, the kids have come to me before with other stuff where I've been more upset about it than maybe this experience. But my point is, is that to there's a there's a thing there where what you're developing is you can come to me yes. and I'm not going to say, yes, that was a good idea, yes. but I am also not going to throw you under the bus about it. I remember always like breaking windows and stuff like that. And I would like either try to lie about it or, or pretend it didn't happen or distract or do something. And the only person that hurt was me Yes, because I was nervous until it was found out. Right. And, you know, whoever this kid was... <laughs> Did herself a favor by telling us, and I'm glad that she felt. Now she didn't come to me though. I thought that was well, interesting. But I was upstairs where she was, and let me say this: you, some people thinking, hearing that may think, oh, she did that for herself. Yeah. I think what I want to make sure you guys understand is she knew that carrying that was, and not, our, was unhealthy. My oldest daughter learned this like five years ago. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Like she was carrying all these stories, yeah. and and once you get that off your chest. It relieves that burden of I'm not good enough. I did something wrong. I'm shameful. Yeah. We create those stories by keeping all that stuff inside. Mm-hmm. And so what is most important to me with my children, with anybody I meet, not just my own family, is do you know your worth and your value? Mm-hmm. Do you understand you're needed here? And, and your value is not predicated on whether or not you listen to me when I say don't shoot arrows in the house. Yes. What you are you, just as loved before yes. or after. And that you then have to deal with the consequences yeah. of shooting this arrow because now you got a hole in your wall. And, that, then, you and know. then the consequences, hopefully you are in a place where, you know, I don't know what my gut reaction would have been. It sounds like you handled it very well. Um, but I would not have, uh, you know, cause if you start screaming and grounding them, the minute that you see that they did something wrong, they're they, never going to come, they're never going to come back Mm-mm. again. Mom always says, don't shoot arrows in the house, sweetie. Mom always says, don't shoot arrows in the house. Well, and here's, Hey, come on, you guys, let's play free throws in the wastebasket. We better not. Mom will get mad. No, she won't. Nobody's home. <laughs> Set it up again. Intercepts and goes for a shot. Oh no! Mom's favorite vase. She always says, "Don't play ball in the house." I'll be grounded. There goes my camping trip. <laughs> so, what's so important about Bobby's story there, and also the story about the arrow is? What ends up, if we've all seen this Brady Bunch episode, is we know they try and fix the vase. They try and keep it a secret. Mm-hmm. The pain That's of right. not sharing right. is worse than dealing with it head on. Yeah. And when we do that over and over again, it builds up what Eckhart Tolle would call a pain body in mm-hmm. us, like this fear, this like, you know, I'm, I've am i made mistakes and now I've got to lie for my lies. And, and it's this it's this heaviness. Now, that doesn't r- directly correlate to Mad- Madison's story, except that internally she did not feel as 
good about who she was, obviously. Yeah. Um, and that externally, everybody was focused on her achievements it's, yeah, rather it's, than... It's almost a shame she was as good at the yes, things as she was. Yes, because it took away from who she... Like, it she predisposed, couldn't keep up with it. Right, it predisposed her to being, oh my gosh, I'm a great track star. Oh, I'm beautiful. I have a 3.5 GPA. She didn't experience failure that much because she was really good at most things she did. And people didn't want her to fail. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they wanted to hear the my, good news. Yeah. This is my image of who you are and how can you be this person? And what I think her parents, the reason they're sharing the story with us and helping us learn from it is they want us to notice internal worlds. I mean, if I'm going to pull out something, because as Todd and I have said, I'm going to say this over and over again, because I feel like anytime you talk about suicide, people say, well, you're blaming the parents and we're not. Mm-hmm. This is not just parents. This is the societal pressure. This is you know all that stuff from social media. This is maybe an issue with you know the coaching situation. This is an issue maybe with mental illness. There are so many factors. It is not one. But one thing we can pull from it is: Are we paying attention to the internal world as much as the external world? Right. Let's not get fooled by appearances. Let's not get fooled and look at a pretty girl and say she's just happy because she's pretty. Right. Let's not get fooled by someone who's thin and say, because she's thin, she's happy. So how do we, um, whether it's with our own kids or other children, how do we make sure that we know, they know that we don't determine their value based on their accomplishments? That their feelings are okay. That having a failure is not only normalized, but that we can you know, obviously validate that experience, but also let them know about our Mm -hmm. failures and how we got through it. Like our goal, our hope as a parent is you're going to fail. I'm going to support you and give you tools. So when you fail in the future, not if, when you fail in the future, you have more tools to get yourself out of that hole. I was just driving a great amount. Oh, go ahead. You look like you're on a roll. Well, I was also going to say that in as far as the emotions, that this goes way back to when they're little, of the experience of when our children are sad, when they have anger, when they have negative emotions that we start to perceive and call drama, these are real experiences that they're having. And it doesn't mean they get the right to hit or throw things, but they do get the right to their feelings. And if we can acknowledge that and let them know they're loved... Even with those feelings yeah. that not only do I see you, but I love you just as much when you're angry. Not only that, but I realize when you're angry is when you need my love the most. Yeah. And those are the beginning steps. I mean, there's so many pieces, but those are the things that let our kids know that their emotional world is safe with us. Well, I just drove the girls up to Great America um, Saturday and on the way, somehow we started chatting. It's nice because it's a 45 minute drive yeah, up there. So a long time. Get some time to chat. Um, and But somehow we talked about how daddy screwed up. And I told a story about how I got brought into the police station when I was, I think, in high school. I don't know what year I was. And they were fascinated. Like, oh, my God, <laughs> you got brought into the police station. What did you do? And it's because I kicked a can of beer or blah, 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 whatever it was. But it, you know, it seems insignificant. But my guess is if they ever get brought into the police station – they it'll be a little bit more normalized. And not normalized meaning because parents are going to hear that and say, you think it's okay to go to a police station? Not normalized in that they're going to be fine with it. Yeah. But normalized in the sense that they don't think their life is over yeah. because of it. Right. You guys, we don't want our kids to have fear that their life could be over right. because that's when they start to do drastic things. Yeah. That becomes a survival self-preservation. You know, my, my most recent example was last week um, I was – coming home after dropping off the girls and I went and got a coffee. I dropped them off at school and my oldest daughter was home because she woke up with some allergy issues. And so she was with you and I was coming home from getting coffee, driving down Schiller and I got pulled over mm-hmm. like a block from where we live. Oh, and, that's right. um, and the police officer was very kind to me and said that he was, you know, he said I blew through a stop sign, which I probably did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I stop at the stop signs, but it's kind of yieldy. Do you stop Sweetie, or do you it's roll through it? I didn't completely roll. Maybe, heck, I don't know. Like, it's hard for me to even know in that moment what I did. Like, because when he pulled me over, I'm thinking you rolled through it. When he pulled me over, he said, Do you know what you did? And I said, I don't. Because I really, I didn't. I don't. I don't. I didn't know if I was speeding. Because maybe I was going 35 and a 25. Yeah, I didn't right. know. So, um, 
he said, you, you know, you didn't stop fully at that stop sign. And he, I told him where I lived and he said, okay, I'm going to give you a written warning. Cause he's, he was doing it for neighbors. Right. Neighbors had been complaining and he's like, well, you're one of the neighbors. Right. So he was being kind. What um, if you were one of the ones that were complaining, then it would be that really, would be funny. really funny. I wasn't, but so I got a written warning, you know, he had to write everything up and give me like a warning. It's like, it kind of looks like a ticket. Yeah. My point is, is I came home and it cracked me up because Todd and JC were watching the oh, whole time. Oh, we could see the car. <laughs> Yeah. And I walked in and I was like, I was like, oh my gosh. And, um, and this is not the first time I've been pulled over. Like I got pulled over a couple of years ago and you guys drove by. Yeah. So my hilarious. children have seen this. Um, and so they were like, you know, you guys were like, what'd you do? And I told the, I told the whole story, start to finish, took responsibility for every piece, mm. said I was scared, yeah. said I was nervous, but that I was so thankful that he let me go. And that I was like, you know, it's a wake up call to me because since that day I have been stopping mm. at every sign. Yeah. So can we, and again, unfortunately that tends to wear off and then other things happen that remind you. But my point in the story is, can our children then see through our lives that when something bad happens, you Mm. get pulled over, you take something from it. I feel as if the story in my book that I told about my mom, the first time I ever got a speeding ticket, she said, maybe the police officer helped you because he taught you to slow down. Maybe if you, he wouldn't have pulled you over, you could have gotten in an accident. That kind of thinking, why are you looking at me funny? No, no, I was blinking. Oh, that kind of thinking allows us to grow instead of shrink. Somebody gives you a lemon, sweetie, you make lemonade. That's right. You turn everything that happens to us into a teachable learning moment that will propel you in a direction that it otherwise would not have. So I would just say this, from this article and to Madison and her family and to her friends who are still reeling from this, because this just happened last year, um, I want to thank her parents for sharing the the story so we can all learn from it. And again, you guys may read the story and pull something completely different. I felt the most important pieces were the Instagram thing Mm -hmm. about how we perceive the world to look differently because people are posting happy pictures. Right. Well, and what I got out of it, did you want to finish a thought? I did. Sorry. And also because, and also the emotional awareness that sometimes when our children are externally successful, we forget that the inner life is more important. And I'm going to say that not just as important, more important than the external, what we see on the outside. Well, and what I got out of it is there is always, there's always been a stigma of mental illness. Yes. And I think, uh, our friend Jessica is very involved in NAMI, which is the National Association of Mental Illness. And if the stigma didn't exist, I think that people like Madison would be much more upfront and willing to say, I'm depressed. Yes. And I need help. Yes. So this is more like, let's lessen the stigma that goes against it because there's a lot of people out there that suffer from mental illness. And, you know, we kind of think of like, the people who are psychotic and there's this whole spectrum. spectrum. Well, and that's why I'm saying on the show, you guys, I'm going to say it again. I have been depressed. Mm -hmm. I have had anxiety. Mm -hmm. I have dealt with things that have scared the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. And I've had to ask for help to get through that. And I am not one of those people who says, oh, now it's done. It's over. Mm-hmm. I have to be very conscious yeah. of what I watch, what I read, what, you know, that's why mindfulness and meditation is so important in my life is that these are things that we don't just get to pretend don't exist. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the more we talk about it, the more that we make these things, as Todd said, typical rather than the fringe and the extreme, right. the more our children can discuss. Right. And the more that we're willing to hear, like um, uh, my oldest daughter, she's watching Glee now. And uh, she's kind of had to wait to watch it, you know, because obviously it has some adult themes. But if for those of you who watch, she's in season one when Quinn finds out she's pregnant. And my sister, or my sister, my uh, daughter was beside herself about how Quinn's parents treated her. Mm. They were embarrassed that she got pregnant. They were so angry with her, they kicked her out. Now that's extreme, meaning I don't hear about that every day. Even as a therapist, most parents I worked with, they were angry, but they never kicked their kids out. But it does happen. And it brought up this great conversation for JC and I to have that talk about, she was just devastated. She said, she was like, mom, that's when she needs her parents the most. Mm -hmm. And those kind of discussions where instead of saying, well, you better not do that, or you shouldn't be watching that show or, you know, 
we got to let our kids see mm-hmm. developmentally appropriately, yeah. meaning Glee is not for a seven-year-old, yeah. the world so they can process and ponder and talk about their fears yeah. and issues. So um, I don't know. Do you have anything else, honey? No, I wanted to get to our next partner and a listener's question. Okay, so again, thank you to uh, Madison's parents and friends for sharing that story with us, and I highly recommend that you guys read um, the story on our. Yeah. It's going to be on our Facebook. We'll put page. it on our Facebook. Page. Okay. Uh, our second partner is John Kelly um, Comprehensive Dentistry. The website is ChicagoDentistOnline.com. The number is seven seven three six three one six eight four four. If you have children who are getting into the braces part of their teeth development, you definitely want to call John Kelly. He focuses on facial development and breathing with the idea of straightening their teeth at the same time. So give him a call. All right. Um, last week we did uh, a listener's question and it was about um, the instrument, like one of the girls play guitar or something like that. And there was a follow-up from a different listener and Hopefully this will make sense. Um, She says, are you ready, sweetie? I am. Okay. I'm sorry. I was focusing on something else. I saw that. Uh, Your response to the parent asking about music lessons and practice. Well, I agree with your response. What if the parent sees practice akin to doing chores and or exercise? Something that instills discipline and grit. Doing something continually even when you don't feel like it. Because there are long-term benefits, question mark. Couldn't music practice be seen as an opportunity to learn how to set good habits? Okay. Did, and did you want me to comment on that? I do. Okay. So I don't, I kind of, I agree with if you can definitely learn about perseverance through practicing a musical instrument. Mm-hmm. So she's not wrong mm-hmm. in saying, couldn't this be a good thing? Absolutely. I think that we, the thing that we have to backtrack on though is why, what is our intention behind it? Meaning if our child has other experiences that they have during the day. Like for example, they have to do homework when they come home because that, you know, there's, you're already setting that as a line to understand that the more you study something or practice or study for a test, that then that you'll reap the benefits of that. If they already have chores and they're learning perseverance that way, are, why are we adding to that mix something that could potentially be something that they enjoy and love that, could end up being a chore mm-hmm. just by nature of putting those things together. Right. So then they're doing it for you and to learn some kind of concept that they may be learning through other things. Now, if here's my here's my like possibility Qualifier. here. Yeah. If they love that instrument and they're like, I really want to get good, I really want to be better. Obviously, our recommendation or our support to them would be then let's figure out a plan so you continue to get better and I will support you. And when they, you know, throw in the towel and say, oh, I'm just going to quit. I'm not good enough. We help raise them up and say, this is something you love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is something I can support you and to stick with it. But if they, if it's. Yeah, like it's. And and the the one extreme is like, um, I can't stand the guitar. My parents make me practice. Yeah. Like that's an easy one. Right. Um, the tougher one is what you're saying is I really love the guitar, but sometimes I just don't feel like practicing right. all the time. Like there's this whole middle ground right. and everybody wants to kind of pigeonhole us into a black and white scenario. And it rarely is that way. It never is that way. It, but I will add to that, that sometimes we have to broaden our mind about what it means to get better at something. Yeah. And what if over a long period of time you play an instrument you go to practice, maybe you're not doing 10 minutes a day, mm-hmm. but you're continuing, you're sticking with it because it doesn't feel like a chore. You're doing it for joy. So maybe you don't get to do it at the talent show, or maybe you don't get to d- perform a recital, but you've stuck with it and it's become a part of your life on your, what am I trying to say? On your, not your conditions, on your timetable, on what feels right to you. I think sometimes we take things that are that our kids love and we create a story in our own head about what they need to do to be better and how we're going to make them better. Right. And is that really what's best for them? Right. Or is that our story? Well, I got a really interesting story myself. And this came from John O'Sullivan, who we interviewed on the show uh, a month or two ago. The title of the uh, blog is The Heartbreaking Reason This Nine-Year-Old Boy Quit Hockey. And the the kid's name is Yannick Lescarbro. And um, his dad wrote a letter to the team 
he was two weeks removed or two weeks left in the hockey season. He decided to quit. And the reason he decided to quit was because this kid kept getting skipped over. So he wasn't playing. He was basically riding the bench the whole time. And, um, you know, there's so many different ways of addressing it. So in other words, like, you know, the way the story is written, it's kind of heart-wrenching because, you know, the kid's, he's so excited to play. He loves hockey. He loves hockey. He loves being with his teammates and all that. And he'll play like in the first period, but then he'll be on the bench for the last two. And he'll be like, daddy, how come I keep get, how come all my friends are playing in the third period and I'm not playing in the third period? And it's probably because he's not as good as the other kids. And the the parent, the coach wants to win more than he wants to make sure everybody plays. Mm-hmm. And let me say something about the coach without even knowing him. Sometimes the coach feels the need to win because his job is based on it mm-hmm. or because parents are pushing him yep. to win. Yep. So let's not, you know, so again, we want to make sure we see all sides of this. So um, the dad wrote a letter and it was not like you'd think like the dad wrote this nasty letter. He didn't. No. He yeah. emphasized that he has no personality conflict with the coaches of the West Side Knights although he clearly disagrees with their coaching style. He says, when the fun is no longer present, there's no good reason to continue the pain. And we reached that point too often this year. And in my opinion, too many times when the situation was not warranted. Um, as a hockey dad, a coach, to win as a team. Uh, anyways, it goes on. But I just think it's a wonderful example. Is You don't have to be mean about it, but um, you know, the kid was... I don't know if he's crying in the car on the ride home or what, but he was obviously distraught. Well, he was confused to why he's like, I'm doing my hardest. I'm playing my hardest. Why am I not playing? Why are they not putting me in? Mm -hmm. And the dad knew because he's older and Mm -hmm. is watching with adult eyes that the whole intention was to win and that his kid wasn't good enough to go out there and win. But his kid then wasn't getting the experience of sports. And one of the stories at the very end of um, – it's actually in the comments section of that article that I loved was another – I think it was another dad or mom wrote in and said this was happening with our baseball team or mm-hmm. this could happen. You know, I think it was happening with their baseball team and that they made a choice to actually play the kids and let them play. And during one game, one of the kids who wasn't very good, you know, he got a huge hit Mm -hmm. and all the kids on the bench, his teammates got up and started clapping and they were so excited. And a kid from the other team came over and said something like, "Um, do you guys realize you just lost the game? Like you didn't win. And they said, we don't care. Mike just got a hit. Yeah. Like he made an out, but he hit the ball really hard. And they, and his team, there is something about the experience of sports rather than the need to dominate Mm -hmm. in sports. And again, I know everybody's going to say, but that's everything everyone talks about. I mean, Todd, every professional sport, that's all – the whole goal is domination. And if you don't dominate, you get fired as a coach. Well, and and my very practical uh, response to this father would be find a league where participation is is the thing. Like Mm -hmm. in AYSO – um, participation is the reason they come together. It's not to win games. Right now, there's other leagues that are much more competitive. You right. just got to find the right fit. And it sounds like um, this, you know, he wasn't in the right league. Right, and the dad was able to recognize it. And instead of saying to the kid, "You're not good enough, or you need to work harder," this is not the place for you because the fun was getting missed. Mm-hmm. So. I will say to Todd's point, um, there is no black and white answer. Right. Like to this mom who said, can't I have my kid practice 10 minutes a day to, to you know, demonstrate perseverance? Sure. Right. I mean, if that is if that fits yeah. and you're like, I really believe strongly in this, of course you can. Mm-hmm. But if that decision starts to harm your relationship with your child where they're pushing back or yeah. not telling you the truth or they become, they're lying – you know, or they begin to hate the instrument, maybe then you can start to say, well, maybe that's not the best. Because here's the thing about perseverance. Sometimes we try and create a plan of how to teach it. Kids are are going to have to figure out perseverance on a daily basis, meaning they have to go to school every day and deal with social issues Mm -hmm. and deal with tests and deal with pressure. And they're persevering if you see it or not. It's not just a concept that we check off the list and say, I'm teaching perseverance. Like we... The way that we can empower our kids is by listening to them and coming in together, working together to figure out how we can best support. Um, Can I backtrack for one second, Todd? Um, Hold on. Don't backtrack yet. (laughs) Now you can backtrack. I want to go back to something that I think is super important that I forgot to mention in regards to the, the article about Madison. Yeah. Going back to Instagram. Because this can be true with sporting events and everything too. 
is as parents, here's a very literal thing we can do with our kids. We have to talk to our kids about how what we see on social media, what we see on magazine covers, and what we see on billboards isn't real. That doesn't mean those aren't real people, but it means that we're being sold something and taught or we're being given something to... to create a certain mood. Mm. When you see someone on a magazine cover, they have been completely airbrushed. Yeah. You know, that is not the way they look. When you see someone on Instagram and you can tell they filtered the photo, yeah. that's not what they look like. And that they could be happy in that moment in time, but that doesn't mean they're happy all, all the, the time. time. That kind of discussion in itself could be a mind blowing, you know, like a, a completely open up their world that sometimes what you see isn't always what's true. And I just felt like we kind of breezed over the yeah. Instagram thing. So yeah. I'll close that up. Um, Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Speaking of things that aren't real, sweetie. Yeah, let's hear it. My entry into the Tournament of bad, I saw a preview on YouTube. I think there's a new movie coming out and I think it's called Batman versus Superman. Yes, there is. Ben Affleck. So... Um, I'm not like a big superhero guy. Like I like Star Wars more than like Batman and Superman. But are they really trying to think that that these two are like – like it would even be a fair fight? (laughs) Because isn't the whole thing about Batman like he's a human being from Earth? Right. And is just a guy who has really good weapons and is strong and is smart and is nimble. Correct. Whereas Superman comes from this faraway planet – and can do this crazy stuff. He has more innate superpowers. No, not more. An infinite amount of superpowers. Like how is but this even But does he a... have the, the toys that Batman has? He doesn't need them. He could – I don't get it. Well, you Superman, know... like he can burn things with his eyes. He can fly. But, sweetie, maybe the kryptonite will get in the way. He can stop bullets or – no, he's faster than a speeding bullet and – or no, I don't know. I don't know. Something about a locomotive. <laughs> <laughs> Something about a train. Something about a train. Um, well, Batman – let's think about Iron Man or let's think about Hawk. Poor but, Hawk. He's only got bow and arrow. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. I think that we just – maybe th- that – Every, maybe it's a sign of that everybody in the world has their own skill set and mm-hmm. maybe we can't compare literally mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, uh, yeah, Superman can fly, but he doesn't have a cool car. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet Str- who came to Earth with powers and Strange abilities visitor far from beyond another planet. those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent... So I'm looking at it. First of all, this actor is like a very normal looking dude. Like totally. he's not even buff. He's isn't like, that George? What's his name? I know. Isn't it the guy that uh, killed himself? Yeah. There's yeah. quite a story there. Crazy stuff. I know. So I just don't get it. How there's how Hollywood is trying to sell this into an actual fight. But is it a fight? Maybe they join forces. It's called Batman versus Superman. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what the story is. I don't either. I just don't get it. Somebody help me understand why this is a fair Maybe fight. Robin comes in. Doesn't matter. Even if Robin and Batgirl and Catwoman and Alfred, they can all. <laughs> Alfred can't do anything. Alfred's Alfred's like the dad. <laughs> Alfred's like be safe. So all right, um, can I'm, I talk about this movie? What movie? Oh yeah, hurry up though. Okay, because the Batman Superman took a lot of time. Uh, yeah, the important stuff. So anyway, yesterday I had the opportunity to watch a movie in the middle of the day. Who does that anymore, right? But it was Mother's Day, so. I decided to watch, um, I actually wanted to watch Cake, but I couldn't download it. It said it was going to take four hours. So <laughs> I found Beginner, Beginners, which Todd had seen and my sister-in-law Shane had said she really liked. And um, it's a movie from, I think, two years ago, Christopher Plummer won an Academy Award for the movie uh, Best Supporting Actor. And um, Ewan McGregor is in it. And this other lovely actress I had never heard of before, but man, she was good. And um, it is such a beautiful movie um, about acceptance and about self-understanding and about never giving up um, and about love and connection and parenting um, and authenticity and how we have to – that really the, the the title, even though they don't necessarily explain it in, in the movie, my take on it, is we're always beginning again. You know, we have to be willing to start again because his father – 
um, who is played by Christopher Plummer, he, uh, you know, is married to his mother and they have somewhat of a, um, what's the word, a convenient marriage, Mm -hmm. meaning they do love each other, but he, he's gay and he knew it when he married this woman. Um, but he wanted a life, he wanted a family and he wanted to, you know, be a husband and do that kind of thing. But after she passes away, um, he decides he's 75 and he says, I'm a gay man and now I'm going to go live as a gay man. And he begins again. And, um, he, what an inspiration he is to his son and what he learns from that. And, but also how there's old childhood wounds. Um, it's so well done. So if you, is this one of your top 10, sweetie, I was going to say it might sneak in there. It might have to knock off Wayne's world and dumb and dumber. It might have to be number well, 10. Technically, your top 10 aren't even legit. Why? Because you had 11 in your top 10. But they they go together. Yikes. I'm not going to... They just go together. So yeah... Do you want me to read this quote 10. from Velveteen Rabbit or oh, no? Yes. And here's the thing. This quote that Todd's going to read, there is a comparison to the Velveteen Rabbit and being authentic. And, I, and so Todd's going to read it. It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become... It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't often happen to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who ha- who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. And while that's just beautiful in itself, if you know the Velveteen Rabbit, you understand the, you know what this means. Um, the way it's used in the movie is so beautiful because the dad is obviously been well loved. You know, seventy five, yeah. and he's ready to be his true self. Yep. And um, he knows he's beautiful. He's yep. very, very, very confident. And and I wish that for all of us. And especially with the topic that we talked about today, it's very difficult to talk about suicide and why people feel that it's easier to not be here than be here. Um, But the more that we can talk about what's going on in our internal worlds and be open and validating and normalizing, um, the more I think we can keep people here. Well said, sweetie. Um, So our last partner is Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company, 630-956-1800 painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. He's a bald-headed beauty, everybody. Yes. And then uh, you have uh, three books, but the one I'll mention is Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn. That's your third one. Yes. So if you want that, go to our uh, zenparentingradio.com and click on... There's a store. Store. Or you can go to Amazon. So um, that's about all I got. Yeah. Um, Said the partners, said the book. Empowerment Project. Get your tickets. My words of wisdom are... um, I learned this in yoga on Saturday. Let's hear it. Happy people aren't grateful. Grateful people are happy. That's right. And then what did our yoga teacher say to us today? I wasn't paying attention. You were falling asleep. She said, slow down. Happiness is trying to catch you. Yes, that's right. She did say that. I remember that now. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, See you on Friday. Have a great week. Adios. Adios.